in the night Your heart fills with dread Probably a murderer who wants you dead It could be a ghost, a demon or worse Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse It's hopeless, you're doomed You'd call a priest if you could You'd rather just listen to who? Sinisterhood I'm gonna kill you Well, welcome to another edition of Freaky Friday On this October 7th, 2022 And you know it's so freaky? What? We're only 20 days away from our show at the Landmark Texas Theater that's here in Dallas or wherever you're at. You can join us on Moment, moment moment.co slash Sinisterhood. The countdown is on. Like, who told us that final countdown? Who's saying that? I was trying to make a fun joke and my lack of pop culture, being able to recall it quickly, once again, foiled me. (laughs) <laughs> I had that as my ringtone for maybe two years straight. So nice. I, I can't believe I don't remember who it is. I had it when I had a silver flip phone. I distinctly remember it was like an MP3 I could drag over. Mine was a pink flip phone. Man, those days. Mm-hmm. It's a final just... countdown. Who is that? Oh, I gotta know. I gotta know now. Everyone's yelling. Joe Bluth. Everyone, pause while I. Hey Siri, who sings the final countdown? Europe. She came through. She always does. <laughs> I, I've, I'm starting a new chapter with Siri. Yeah, you guys are, you were beefing we for were a while. We were beefing and now on. we're fine and we're mending our relationship. So we're better now. To and to prove that, she just came through with the band Europe. Reconciliation. We love to hear it. Yes, we've got uh, six very chilling stories this Friday, the weather's getting chillier. Mm-hmm. It's spooky season. Soup weather. Soup weather. Hoodie weather. Mm-hmm. Boots weather. Oh, I got some Uggs. Got some short Uggs. I said Uggs are my winter Crocs, and I meant it. There you go. There <laughs> you go. I was thinking of a way you could put some gibbets on. Hot glue? That's true. Just hot anything, glue some gibbets. You could gibbet anything in your That's life. That's true. As long as you're willing to punch a hole through something. Yeah, so you need a hole punch and a <laughs> hot glue gun and trinkets. And I think you can make those Uggs into whatever your heart desires. The true winter Crocs. Well, thank you for selecting all these stories. And thank you for everyone who sent them in. Like you said, they're chilling, uh, especially starting off with this first one. Yeah, this is very relevant. Our past two episodes on Wednesdays have been about the Jeff Davis 8, and this is a direct brush with true crime with uh, one of the main players involved in that whole story. Well, I'm Christy. I'm Heather. And let's get freaky. This is from Anonymous. They preferred to not share their real name. It's a small town out there. People oh, yeah. talk in small towns. Things get around. The subject line is Jeff Davis 8 Encounters. Hi, ladies. Big fan here. I want to share with y'all about a, quote, experience with one of the victims and my experience with the shitbag Frankie Richard. Around 2014, my nephew got his license. He purchased a nice used car. When he pulled down the sun visor, some items fell into his lap. It was the social security card and driver's license of one of the victims. My nephew was driving probably the poor girl's last car. Finding this freaked us all the fuck out. 
We immediately shredded both cards. What if that car was one of the last places she was before she was murdered? What if her murderer sat in the car? My nephew totaled the car a few months later. You know, young, immature kid. Thankfully, he was fine. I'm not mad that the car was totaled. I think it had some bad vibes. In 2018, I was at a large crawfish boil. We were all drinking and having a good time, as one does at these things. I noticed Frankie early on. I was not going to speak to him. Just looking at him gave me the creeps. A few hours later, he saw me. I saw him walking towards me, and I froze. He put his fucking arm around me and said, What are you doing later, baby? Now, I don't know if it was all the liquid courage I had throughout the day, but I told him, I know what you are and what you did to those girls. You can fuck right off, Frankie. I was loud, and everyone heard. He sure left me alone after that. Thank you, ladies, for doing what you do. I listened to all episodes multiple times. When I'm having a bad day, I listen to episode 13 and listen to when Christy shit in a bag in her car. It always brightens my day. Hope to meet you guys the next time you come to Louisiana. Wow. Well, anonymous. Two, like you said, two. One, really an encounter with the, I guess, the remains. You know, something like that that's so Belongings at the very least, yeah, personal belongings. And there were some things that were shared with us about this story that we are not going to share on air, but it's definitely very close to the case. Uh, And I just got to say, ballsy as fuck to look who you consider to be a known murderer in the eyes and just say, I know what you did. Get the fuck off me. Yeah, anonymous is bold. Yeah, and and you know my initial reaction is don't destroy evidence. But if you're in a town where who are you going to give it to? If you said I have the driver's license, the social security card, and possibly automobile of either the victim or possibly a perpetrator, and you call the police, which there's some indication that they were kind of all in on it, mm-hmm. you don't want to have then added yourself to the list mm-hmm. of people that they go, well, they know too much, and now we've got to take them out and do something about mm-hmm. it. So normally I would not a fan of shredding evidence, but given the circumstances of the case that we've studied there's not really there wasn't a safe place to turn that stuff into yeah yeah there really would have been no point except perhaps endangering yourself that's um i'm glad your nephew was okay uh i hope that your things are improving in that area i believe that um this person still lives in the area so yeah i hope that things are a little bit better than they were at the time of this. Well, thank you so much for sending that in. And at least you know now that Frankie Richard has passed away, you can safely enjoy mm-hmm. a crawfish boil without him sidling up to you and trying to you know, put his arm around you. Gross. Yeah, he's so gross. Well, this next one's from Lizzie, and this is, The call is coming from inside the motel. Hey, Sinister Hood crew. This is a long one, so I'll get right into it. The year was 2010, and I was a sophomore at CU Boulder. My best friend Kristen and I were on our way back from an amazing spring break spent in Mexico, where we got stuck in Phoenix due to a massive blizzard in Colorado. Unfortunately, we were stuck overnight, and being only 19 years old, we're finding it difficult to find a hotel that would rent to us. Of course, the airline was doing absolutely nothing to help us, so we were on our own. After doing tons of searching, we were finally able to find a motel that would rent to us. We hopped in a cab and made our way to the motel, which was on Van Buren Street, which, unbeknownst to us at the time, was apparently a pretty unsafe part of town. 
We got to the motel and immediately got bad vibes. But what were we going to do? Luckily, we ended up finding out that our manager from the restaurant that we both worked at happened to be in town for spring training with her boyfriend. We called her up, and for reasons I literally cannot remember or figure out, they agreed to come rent a room next to ours at the motel to make sure we were safe or something. Not sure why they wouldn't have just had us go where they were and help us get a room there, but it must have been because we were broke college students who already had paid for our own room. Anyways, we went to dinner, and when we got back, we went to our separate rooms. Kristen and I were watching a movie when the phone started to ring. Kristen answered the phone and not three seconds later started to scream and cry. She hung up the phone and sunk into the floor even more upset. I was so confused. What the hell happened? Who was that? I screamed. I don't know. I don't know. It was just some creepy dude. I didn't understand. Kristen explained that it was a man who in a low voice said, I saw you and your friend walking up the stairs to the room at the motel. You're both so hot. And some other unsavory things. Super gross, super creepy, and we immediately felt extremely unsafe. We gathered ourselves and called our manager who was in the room next door and explained what happened. She sent her boyfriend over to our room to help. We answered the door, holding a lamp to use as a weapon in case we needed it. After he came in and we talked for a minute, we decided that we needed to tell the hotel manager. It was pretty late at night, but luckily there was someone at the front desk. Our manager's boyfriend went to the desk and explained what happened. The desk attendant was somehow able to see when rooms at the motel made calls to other rooms of the motel. The desk guy checked, and what he found was truly terrifying. The call had indeed been made from another room in the motel. When he checked who was in the room, he discovered that it was supposed to be vacant. He went and checked, and no one was in there. Because it was so late and no one would rent to us anyway, we decided to stay and leave first thing in the morning. But we absolutely did not stay in our room and slept on the gross motel floor of our manager's room with our lamps for protection. I have no idea who called us that night or what their intentions were. Was it just to scare us or did they have something more sinister planned? Either way, I'm super grateful for my manager and her boyfriend. And no, we haven't gone back to Phoenix since. That's straight up horror movie stuff, right? Mm -hmm. When you ask the manager, can you find out who called us? And he's like, it was next door. Like it was in the hotel and no one's in there. Yeah, this is a whole horror movie trope of the calls coming from upstairs, the calls coming from inside the house. Knowing somebody was watching you and then also had the audacity to call you and try and <laughs> threaten you. It's all super creepy. I have a theory. What? Could it have been the front desk guy? I would wonder if they would have heard his voice, like recognized his voice, you know? Unless mm -hmm. he was putting on like a, like you said, if he's like, hey, welcome to the motel. I want to come fuck you. You know, like did a fake they voice. They said the it phone. was in a low voice. So, because otherwise, how would somebody be in a room that didn't have a key unless it was yeah. an employee? That's a good point. Or maybe it was somebody, if it wasn't the front desk manager, another employee, mm -hmm. you know, maintenance or uh, janitor, you know, somebody that has keys to all the rooms mm -hmm. that sees them, slides into one, and then makes the call. Mm. Don't like it. Not at all. It's so eerie. Well, this next one is from Sam, and this is called Mushrooms, UFOs, and a Sassy Grandma, or what I like to call 
a fun Friday night. That last part was my addition, not Sam's. But Sam, feel free to use that. But Sam's not wrong and neither are you. (laughs) Sam writes, you guys are amazing and I love that we get to share some of our crazy life stories with you now that you're doing Freaky Fridays. Here is my first-hand experience with a UFO. Enjoy. It was the summer after high school graduation and my high school sweetheart, boyfriend, and I were on a journey to broaden our minds a.k.a. eat psilocybin mushrooms every time we had a day off of work together. We lived just minutes away from a beautiful canyon and would hike to a nice secluded area and set up a day camp where we would gag down our mushroom. We discovered that eating them with bananas or Wendy's french fries are the best way to get them down. We'd wait for them to kick in and trip out together listening to music on his Zune, staring into space, and having trippy mushroom wilderness sex. Yep, I said Zune. 2005 called, they want their music brick back. Well, one Saturday afternoon, we were tripping down one of our usual hiking paths, which took us to a really cool overlook where you could see miles of forest all the way down to where our little town starts. We were staring out together when we both saw a large flying saucer. Lights blaring, flying really low over the treetops between us and the town. It hovered for a few moments, then zoomed away. And in a flash, it was gone. What the fuck? Did you see that? Was that real? I yelled. But he was already on it. That was a fucking UFO. We stared at each other, not knowing what to say, or if what we saw was even real. We turned around and went back to our safe space, covered in trees where the aliens couldn't see us tripping balls. A few hours later, after we had come down from our mushroom trip, we went back down the canyon to his house. We decided that we were just tripping and had the same hallucination, as that had happened to us many times before. My boyfriend's family was a classic conservative Mormon family, with a stay-at-home mom and grandma who made hot, delicious meals three times per day for their hard-working boys, my boyfriend, his brother, and their dad, where I was used to fending for myself, cooking boxed and frozen meals whenever I felt like it. So I was a little surprised when his mom called us down to come up to dinner. I shouldn't have been surprised, as I had been over for dinners dozens of times before. But, you know, mushrooms. I was a little freaked out because even though we weren't tripping anymore, we were still feeling the afterglow high, and his mom was a very nosy and sometimes uncomfortable person. But we didn't want to be rude, so we went up and joined them for dinner. We were enjoying our homemade chicken enchiladas in a bit of awkward silence, when his 80-year-old grandma nonchalantly said, Did you guys hear about the UFO flying over Payson this morning? I probably dropped my fork with surprise and turned to look at my boyfriend, whose eyes were the size of his dinner plate, staring back at me. (sighs) Not this again, his mom muttered. No, really, his grandma said. Multiple people posted about it on my UFO Facebook page. It was sighted right here over Payson Canyon. We were up there hiking all day and we totally saw it. I almost yelled. We just thought we were crazy or something. Nice cover-up, I know. His mom continued rolling her eyes and muttering about how aliens aren't real. Apparently, my boyfriend's grandma was a bit obsessed with UFOs and had recently joined a bunch of UFO sites on her new desktop computer she had just gotten and learned to use. I came to find out that she grew up and lived on the Army base in Dugway, Utah, throughout her teens and 20s, where she married an officer and started their family. 
Dugway is a secretive military manufacturing and testing site for biological and chemical weapons out in the middle of the Utah desert, with nothing around it for miles. It has been claimed to be a UFO hotbed by UFO enthusiasts, and there are rumors that the Army has otherworldly experiments going on there, and even has flying saucers hidden away for experimentation. She had many weird experiences there growing up that had turned her into a lifelong UFO believer and now enthusiast, at the despise of her stuffy daughter, who was small when they moved away from Dugway and didn't experience any of these goings-ons herself. She always just thought her mom was crazy, but after this day, I believed her 100% and kept coming back for more crazy UFO stories from her youth. It was truly fascinating, and I will never forget the shocked look on my boyfriend's face when his grandma confirmed our hallucination was real. Love to you all. Keep up the amazing work, Sammy. Man, there's just almost no cooler hobby for a grandma to have than to be a UFO tracker. And she said, one of my UFO sites. Yeah. No, she ha- she's on forum. She's on message boards. She's she's in the know. She's a super user. Yeah. She's uh, <laughs> probably a mod on, on a few of them. I love this. And I love that Sammy was like, like how any of us would be. Please, grandma, tell me more. I want all of your UFO alien stories. Absolutely. Yeah. She said, I saw a UFO and many others uh, start at the beginning and don't leave anything mm-hmm. out. Yeah. I love that. Well, and also what a way to spend an afternoon just taking some shrooms, turning on your Zoom. Dude, I remember Zoom. Fucking in the forest. Fucking. When Tommy and I first started dating, he had a Zoom and I had never seen one. And I was mystified. He yeah. probably still has that in a box around here somewhere. It's gigantic. Yeah, they were pretty big and they were heavy from Bulky. what I recall. Like thick. Yes. I dated a guy that would go run with one and I was like, that's the workout right there. <laughs> just, just carrying around one a brick. in each hand to balance yeah, it just out. Just carrying around a brick. Mm-hmm. Well, this next one is from Melly, and the subject line is Our Family Haunted House. Hi, ladies. This is my second story I'm sending in to y'all about another family ghost. I feel like it's a good one for spooky season, which is the best time of year. I grew up with many stories about La Chupacabra, La Llorona, and El Cucuy, and our grandparents' house being haunted. We laugh that every Mexican family has a ghost, and we seem to have a few. Many of our stories happen in my great-grandparents' house. I never was able to meet them because they passed in the 80s before I was born. But they were born in the 1800s and came to the States from Mexico in the 1930s, which is some history I really want to dig into someday. My dad told me that my great-grandfather built their house himself when they came to the States. When my dad was little, he heard stories about poker games held there, a possible murder over a game gone wrong, and scary things in the basement. Eventually, the basement was filled, and he said whatever was lurking in the basement made its way into the main house after that. Like most kids, my dad would spend weekends with his grandparents, and this is when his first brush with the paranormal happened and made him a believer. My dad would spend the night, and he would sleep over on their couch. The house was tiny, and when you walked in from the back door, you were in the kitchen. Then, past an archway, was the dining area. Then, through another archway, was the living room where he slept. Off the living room was a tiny hall that led to two small bedrooms and a bathroom. My dad said he couldn't sleep, so he was just laying there, tossing around, when he heard a noise from the kitchen. He heard a slow, dragging sound, followed by a smacking sound on the linoleum. He said it was as if someone was smacking their hands on the ground to drag themselves across the floor. 
The sound continued into the dining area and drew closer. So, like any kid, he hid under the covers and wrapped them around himself as tightly as he could. Then, he said, it was suddenly quiet. He continued to listen and thought the sound had stopped until he heard a soft thud and a soft, muffled dragging. The living room was carpeted, unlike the kitchen and dining area, and the thing dragging itself across the house had made it into the living room where my dad was. He still stayed hidden under his blanket while the soft dragging and smacking sound continued until he felt a small tug on the blanket as if something was trying to crawl its way up on the couch. At this point, he said he shut his eyes tight, screamed and bolted off the couch, making sure to jump as far as he could and ran to his grandparents' bedroom. He said he never looked back when he ran, so he had no clue what it looked like. But when they turned on all the lights and checked the house, nothing was there. My dad said my great-grandmother was into the old ways of doing things. Lots of candles, burning of herbs, and visits to the curandero. When he told me this, I told him I always thought we were Catholic. And he said, no, my great-grandmother was something else. But he's not sure what she practiced, just that he thought it wasn't for him. He said that he wondered if what she practiced was the reason why the house was so active. What was she doing? We'll never know. Many family members have stories about that house. The bathroom faucet turned on by itself. You would see shadows moving in the hall. And at night, it can sound like someone is rearranging the furniture and you can hear people talking. My dad never had us kids spend the night there, and our visits were very short inside the house. I remember sometimes he would even have me wait on the porch for him. On one of the visits where I was stuck waiting outside, I told him that I thought Grandma's house was creepy, and he responded with, yeah, that's why I make you wait outside. After my grandmother took over the house, she lived in it until her passing. And when she passed, all paranormal activity stopped. No more shadows or noises. No one has any experiences anymore, and it's just a quiet house. The house still stands today and is still in the family, but currently empty. It doesn't fit into the neighborhood at all, when it was built, it was on empty land, and now it's a tiny, old-looking house surrounded by two-story tract homes. I wonder if the neighborhood kids have stories about the old, creepy house that doesn't fit in, because a house like this must have some neighborhood lore of some sort. Well, that's my dad's first experience with the paranormal and the story that made me a believer as well, because if your dad says it's true, it is. I'll be visiting my parents in Texas soon and will ask for more stories. Keep it creepy and love you guys. This sounds like a goosebumps story. That slap, slap, drag Mm -hmm. is like, and then the tug, tug. (gasps) the tug. You think it, and because it's, is it trying to pull it off you? Is it trying to crawl up on top of you? Yeah. The options, it's either trying to pull you down, Mm -hmm. trying to pull itself up on you, and either one, I'm not into that. Neither one's good. He did what every little kid does where you're like, if I can't see it, Mm -hmm. then it's not real. I'm going to cover myself up. I'm going to squeeze down as small as I can get. But then slap, slap, drag, Mm. and it comes up on you. I cannot. I I cannot. still do that. Did it when I was a kid. Do it now. I I know (laughs) that it can see me, but we all just feel more secure if you're like, got a blanket pulled as tight as you possibly can around you and your eyes are squeezing so shut that like when you open them, you... See stars. Yes, and make sure I make sure it's tucked around my feet too, because I don't want it to get my toes. Mm, oh yeah, that's how they get you. They go up <laughs> to the bottom, they grab <laughs> you by a toe, and yank you out. And then once once they have your toe, that's you're done. So mm-hmm. they got the rest of you. Slope. Sounds well, like grandma 
may have been uh, having some dalliances with the other side that had not left the house. Right. I mean, uh, she's probably got it under control if the, you know, you say, hey, this happened and they check the house and she's like, all right, we've got to get my herbs out. I'm going to light some candles. And that type of a belief system, I think, is powerful. And if it's it's always sad, like I have some family things that I feel like I wish I would have asked before older family members passed away. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, her saying whatever my grandmother practiced, you know, that's all we will never know. That's always hard or great grandmother. That's always hard when you're like, oh, I kind of lost this piece of family history, but it may be out there somewhere. Maybe dig around in some trunks or papers or mm -hmm. old boxes and attics. But thank you very much, uh, Melly, for sending that in. This grandma and UFO grandma need to be friends. Dude, it's like the Golden Girls, but they're all into like weird. <laughs> oh stuff. yes, the ghost hunter, ufologist, the Golden Ghoulish Girls. There it is, <laughs> triple G's, done and done. Guy Fieri well, has triple D's. We have triple G's. He's uh, you know what? I think he has proven that you can't have too many television shows. So that's true. <laughs> this is just <laughs> yes. one more. I think uh, the Travel Channel would be happy to put that oh, show in yeah. there. Yeah. Anytime. Well, the next one is from Taylor, and the subject line is, Dogs are weird, and we don't deserve them. My true crime story. I tend to make stories way longer than they need to be, so I'll just jump right in. I have a dog of my own, but I also started fostering dogs when I was laid off during COVID and had nothing better to do with my time. I tried to walk my dog and the foster separately whenever possible, since the fosters were never leash trained, and my dog has very little patience. On this particular morning, I decided to walk my dog first. We always walk in the park across the street from my condo. And, as we made it to the end of the park, Luna was staring at a random guy who was standing off to the side of the path, minding his business. This isn't abnormal for where I live, but what was strange was that the man was wearing a baseball hat and a COVID mask to cover his face, as well as a clear rain poncho with the hood up, and it was definitely not raining. Luna wouldn't take her eyes off of this poor man. I even texted friends about how funny I thought it was that dogs had no shame and would just stare down strangers who appeared to be the least bit out of place. We finished our walk without incident, and I proceeded to take my foster out for her walk. The second I made it into the park, I heard blood-curdling screaming coming from further into the park. I picked up my puppy and ran back to my condo, texting others in my building who also heard the screaming and had already called 911. Seconds later, the police showed up and an ambulance followed quickly after. Later that day, the police report was circulated around my building. A man tried to stab a woman who was jogging through the park. Luckily, she suffered only minor injuries, and she was able to clearly describe the man who attacked her. He was wearing a baseball hat and a clear poncho. The man Luna was staring at was the man who, minutes later, stabbed a solo jogger in the park. I now recognize that Luna knew exactly what this man was up to and was ready to protect me at a moment's notice. Sure, dogs are super weird, but we definitely don't deserve them. Thank you, ladies. I look forward to listening every week. My boyfriend is from Salem, Massachusetts, and I dragged him to your Boston show. He still talks about how awesome the show was and how much fun he had, and we still argue about whether the tunnels are real. He's a tunnel denier, but I know better than that. Thanks for reading, and keep it creepy. Maybe the creepiest part of this is I think he was wearing the poncho so he didn't get blood on his clothes. 
That's what I was thinking, too. And so if he succeeded in attacking someone, pull it off, mm-hmm. throw it all away and keep on walking. And yeah. then if the cops came up to you and you're like, well, I don't I don't know what happened. I don't have any blood on me. That's so premeditated yeah. and creepy, lurking, waiting. Yeah. But and that dog, that dogs know, man, they can sense evil. They know. Yeah. Don't they say there's a like sixth sense like when that's they tell you to trust your gut if you have a weird feeling about people and i feel like if dogs can hear like way more sounds than we can and smell way more sounds than we can it seems to reason that their senses for that kind of stuff like whatever that pheromone is of Mm -hmm. like aggression pheromone they may be aware of it Mm -hmm. or luna's just got a good vibe checker she's a good vibe check (laughs) she knows well i'm glad that it wasn't you taylor i hope the woman that was attacked was okay and uh that they kept the guy and but that was the end of it. Yeah, that's very eerie, but a benefit of having a dog, especially one that's hyper vigilant mm-hmm. like that. Well, thank you, Taylor. And the next one, well, the last one we have is from Megan. And the subject line is bloody crime scene and door cam questions police negligence. Hi, ladies. A coworker shared this creepy story with me today at work. And my first thought was this is golden sinisterhood material. While this story is not a personal direct brush with true crime, it's something sinister that happened recently in my community. Here it is. My coworker's prior roommate, Johnny Cashman, was found dead in his apartment. Initially, police informed the family in Maine that the cause of death was due to natural causes, a brain aneurysm, according to my coworker. Due to police assurance, an autopsy was not done on the body, and the body was locally cremated, and the remains were sent to the family in Maine. Days later, Johnny's ex-girlfriend went to the apartment with permission to collect some items and, to her shock, discovered a gruesome scene. Upon opening the door, she claims to have seen an abundant amount of blood in the bathroom and throughout the apartment, on the floor, door, window, and furniture, including bloody fingerprints on the walls. By chance, the ex encountered a neighbor outside who lived across the hall and showed her the photos of the horrific scene. The neighbor had a door cam, and the two began sorting through the clips. The footage revealed Johnny walking into the apartment, and the audio indicated an unprompted attack between Johnny and another man. In the video, you can hear Johnny yelling, What are you doing? and Stop! over and over. Eight minutes later, a man who had reportedly been staying with them for a few days exited the apartment. The video showed the man walked a few steps down the stairs and turned around to wipe the door handle with his coat. After he left the building, the door cam audio recorded Johnny screaming desperately for help. The ex-girlfriend sent the footage to his family, who have since been desperately trying to get more answers from the detective and the police. The family sent the story to local news, and it aired. Police followed up by reporting that they found the witness, the man who left the apartment, a month later in Nashville, Tennessee. The witness cooperated and provided a statement that outlined the events. No further details have been revealed. No arrests have been made. The FBI is now involved in the investigation. The initial police report read, Blood with fecal matter found around the home. Likely gastrointestinal bleed per investigators. No trauma. No drugs. Nothing suspicious. Case closed. So what do we think? Was this an instance of police negligence in a botched investigation? Or is it a cover-up for something more sinister at play? Here is a link to the news story. Also, lots of interesting comments on Reddit. On a personal note, my boyfriend and I have made a tradition out of listening to your show together on road trips. Keep it interesting. Keep it funny. Keep it creepy. 
this is wild. I'm looking at these pictures and the video and how any police officer could walk into this scene and say, no, this was natural causes is beyond me. They told the family when they went in, it would look like it was natural causes. He was slumped over. The father specifically asked, is there any sign of foul play, murder, suicide? Because apparently, according to this article in ABC 13 News, Johnny struggled with alcoholism and depression. So his family was checking up on him a lot because they were always worried. And the cop said, no, looks like it was just natural causes. Heather, look at these pictures and it's tell shocking. me that's natural cause. This is unprecedented, an unprecedented amount of blood. Yeah, and um, she, I was reading, too, it said the family said he kept up with his doctor's visits and that he had no gastrointestinal issues that would have caused that. Looking at, I'm looking at the photo, that it's like a, a wall on the left mm-hmm. and then the ground. That is a, to a layman, you don't even have to be a trained mm-hmm. professional to say, this wasn't an accident, unless you said, well, you know, what they do is they store blood in the refrigerator and sometimes the lid pops off and they accidentally spill it. I mean, it's so it's much. so much blood. Everywhere. Yeah. And it's absolutely horrifying to go, well, it was probably an aneurysm. What I find disturbing is the cremation and the lack of autopsy and letting, at least even letting the family see what happened. The family asked specifically, should an autopsy be done? And the cops were like, no. Also, how does an apartment get left like this? Is that something that the family has to take care of, like calling in a cleanup crew? Uh, That's what I would ask, especially if it had been such a case-closed situation. I would think they would tell the family, oh, and also, you're really going to need to scrub that place down or make the landlord. They have companies that come in and do that specifically for crime scenes. police don't pay for it but like letting the landlord know say hey you know you go check it out before you if they hadn't have said anything to where his ex-girlfriend was able to just go in there what if the landlord had tried to show the apartment or something i mean it is and it's also not safe or healthy to have no blood fecal matter things like that just sitting out it's a huge failure by the police department so we just watched all the videos i don't know how Anybody could listen to those and watch that and think this was anything other than murder. It seems very clear cut that the guy that was staying with him, the first video, Johnny's walking up the stairs, seems fine, goes into his apartment. You very quickly hear him yelling, what the fuck, dude? And what sounds like wrestling around, just banging Mm -hmm. around and stuff, continued yelling. And then... A few moments later, a different man comes out, shuts the door, goes down the stairs, stops, turns around, comes back up, uses his jacket to wipe off the doorknob, pulls his collar up over his head, and walks back down. And then a few moments later, you hear Johnny yelling for help. How does anybody look at this and think this isn't murder? Yeah, I mean, uh, and that would be footage that the police would have seen after the fact. But the scene itself is so drenched in blood that I think you would knock. Uh, also, her camera's very trained on his front door. I mean, yeah. the neighbor's camera is right there. So you can, officers should have looked up, look over your shoulder and go, oh, there's a camera. Maybe there could be something mm-hmm. on that before we allow the family to cremate the remains and just 
shut it down. This is uh, egregious negligence. Egregious. And I believe they found the person, the guy that leaves the apartment, and then they're like, yeah, okay, well, I guess nothing's being done about it. I mean, that's this is wild. Yeah, and luckily it says the FBI is now involved in the investigation because it sounds like the guy skipped town. They found this occurred in Lynchburg, and they found him in Nashville. The witness, they call him the witness. I would say suspect, arguably. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, so hopefully with the FBI involved in the investigation, you can figure out not only what happened to Johnny, but what the fuck happened to this detective, whoever was on this case, the huge botched nature of this, because... Other cases, my thing is where there's smoke, there's fire. So you have this type of negligence in this one case. It's not the only case, Mm -hmm. I guarantee you. And so that's like we talked about with Jennings and Jeff Davis Parish. We have to have oversight from a separate, unrelated, not good old boy entrenched buddy out of towner. You know, you need an out of towner that's going to come in and look at it with a fresh set of eyes. So for Johnny's family, I'm very glad the FBI is involved. And for the people of Lynchburg, like you shouldn't be afraid that if something happens to you with more ample, ample, ample evidence, because it's rare that you find in a crime Literally, it's caught on video yeah. or audio, and to to still with that abundance of evidence to have it botched so badly, it's embarrassing. The police department should be embarrassed, and the people of Lynchburg should be concerned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and who this guy's? Uh, I mean, you can't see his full on face, but I think if you knew him yeah. and you saw this video, you would know it was him. Yeah, one well, the neighbor said, you always know, staying with him for a few days or even mm-hmm. the family, you know, if he said, oh, you know, my buddy Joe or what, you know, just gave him even a first name. But it sounds like they found him. So it's not even that much of a mystery. I'm mystified by this. This is one that I will be going down a rabbit hole. Uh, Megan said there's a lot of interesting comments on Reddit. I haven't checked Reddit yet. I will be later because I would be curious what Internet sleuths have to say. By all accounts, it seems like it's pretty cut and dry what happened. And it's horrifying that you would walk in and find this scene after you've been told, like, it was totally natural causes. You're just going to the apartment thinking you're picking some stuff up and it's just a bloodbath. Yes, absolutely. It's that's traumatic for and thankfully, I mean, it's the ex-girlfriend. It's still traumatic for her. But at least it wasn't his family that walked, you know, that's I. I have so many questions for the police, the apartment complex, the mainly just the police in the apartment complex. Yeah. This is horrifying. Yeah. I'm so sorry. The witness or like I said, it's more likely suspect, but the witness, who are they and who are they connected with that? Because this would be uh, equivalent to another case where the police rolled in and said, well, it looks like suicide because of familial connection. So I wonder if there's something there. Yeah, I thought about that because it just seems to be um, a, a person in passing and that you haven't heard anything more about him. That would surprise me. It, I yeah. think it's more of just we don't want to alarm the community. So we're saying it's just one thing. Well, guess what? There's fucking blood all over the, the house. Why don't. You send somebody in to clean it up if that's what you're trying to do. You well, didn't do a very good job of covering up your incompetence. And it's much, much worse now because it's it's one thing to say, we think there's been a murder. There's at the very least been an attack. And it's that's a maybe comes up in the crime report pages, you know, on the local newspaper. But when you have we lied about his cause of death and made mm-hmm. it up, 
and left a huge crime scene and left a bunch of digital evidence that, thank God, the neighbor's camera recorded right. for longer than, you know, it didn't automatically erase or whatever, that this has made it so much worse as far as a PR nightmare for the police and just making them look like bungling idiots. Yeah, I hope that this something happens from this, that this an arrest is made and more information is given so this family can, I, I don't think you ever get closure, but answers and justice for their loved one. For real. Yeah, that uh, that footage is real hard to listen to. Anytime people send us links, as long as they say it's okay to include, we'll include them in the, the show notes. So we'll include the link to this article in there as well. Well, thank you, Megan, for sending this in. Uh, We hope that it draws more attention and some answers can be given to this family. Thank you to everybody else that sent yours in as well. If you have an odd but true story, maybe you've encountered Bigfoot, you've seen a UFO, like this sassy grandma, you had a brush with true crime, or you've felt the presence of an otherworldly being, send them in at sinisterhood.com slash freaky friday. We love providing Sinisterhood to you at no cost, so if you like what you hear, consider supporting the show by donating to our Patreon. We're a small operation, creating the show for you by researching, writing, recording, and producing it ourselves. Any amount is sincerely appreciated and helps offset the cost of making and hosting the show. As a thank you, you'll also get some sweet perks like ad-free episodes, a Sinisterhood sticker, membership to our exclusive Patreon Facebook group for those in the rolling the airways and getting into it tier, a special shout-out on the show, a monthly bonus mini-sode, this last month was the AI Cryptid Loab, and patron-exclusive content including Amma the Asshole, Relationship Advice, Judge Christie, Dear Sinister, True Crime Headlines, and more. You also have the fun perk of access to our Discord server, where you can connect with other fans in real time and discuss the latest in true crime, share personal ghost stories, or just post adorable pictures of your pets. We hop on occasionally, and we host monthly Q&As on Crowdcast, where you can ask us all your burning questions. This month, for the patron-voted-on main feed topic, all the suggestions came from Discord, one of our uh, channels on there. So... Another perk when you get for signing up for Patreon, if you're in the getting into a tier, you get to vote on what we cover on our main feed once a month. Voting is underway right now. Join us in our Q&A on Crowdcast is going to be Wednesday, October 19th at 8 p.m. Central. And if you're in the getting into a tier, we have our live stream bonus content that's going to be Thursday, October 20th at 8 p.m. Central. So make sure to register now. Costumes. probably happening that's what we said we're into that costume box here in this one yes we'll bust all the costumes out of the costume closet and uh just got to pick from the pile Mm -hmm. uh for our patrons not in the u.s you have the option of paying pounds or euros saving you the cost of the conversion fee annual memberships for all tiers are also now available those that select this option will be rewarded with a free month of membership for more details on all of this and specific member tiers visit sinisterhood.com and click patreon on the top banner you can also get your tickets to both our in-person and our worldwide digital experience with Moment for the October 27th show at SinisterHood.com slash live shows. Don't miss it. So many of you have been tagging us in pictures of you sporting your sweet Sinisterhood merch. Keep those pictures coming. If you want to get some cool swag like t-shirts, mugs, totes, and even clothes for your kiddos, 
visit SinisterHood.com and click on Shop in the top banner. And if you want to get the exclusive one night only shirt that's celebrating our live show at the Texas Theater. You can go to moment.co slash sinisterhood, get your ticket. If you get on Patreon, you get a coupon code, so you get a discount on your ticket, and you will be able to buy an exclusive shirt that uh, is one of the cooler designs we've ever had. Mm -hmm. It's pretty freaking dope, and it's only going to be available either in person at the live show or on Moment, so don't miss it. The best thing you can do to help us grow is like, review, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please tell a friend who you think would like us to check us out. You can also share any episode by clicking the three dots in the top right corner and share topic-based playlists from Spotify by visiting SinisterHood.com slash playlist. All of this means so much to us and really helps podcasts like us get more exposure. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sinisterhood Pod. Like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood. Follow us on TikTok and YouTube at Sinisterhood Podcast. And you can find Christy where? I am on Instagram at Christy M. Wallace. And I am on TikTok and Twitter at Christy or GTFO. Heather? I am on Twitter at MCK versus the world. I'm on TikTok and Instagram at Heather versus the world. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy. 